Metro FM Talk. This is Notemba sitting in for Ayabong Hakawe on Metro FM Talk. It is time for our business wrap. And uh, on the line, Akonam Lamleli is joining us. Akona is portfolio manager at 274 Investment Managers. Akona, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Sister Tamba. How are you this evening? I'm good, my dear. Uh, as good as can be, considering uh, where we are, Silapanguk. So, <laughs> 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 but let's uh, let's kick off with the Goldfields uh, uh, story uh, with the Chris Griffith resigning as uh, the CEO and also member of the board after a deal that failed with uh, mm-hmm. Yamana. Tell us, um, you know, uh, maybe a little background to what's the deal mm. that was so important that uh, he had to take responsibility and step down. Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, Goldfield today um, released a statement announcing that their chief executive officer, Chris Griffiths, will be stepping down. Um, this after the company um, failed, particularly in its takeover attempt of the Canadian miner Yaman- Yamanal Gold. Um, so if you cast our minds back to May of this year, um, um, Griffith's plans were to acquire um, the Canadian miner um, in order to just to diversify and also just enter different regions within the gold production space. Um, so they had put forward a deal to the market indicating that they'll be offering a $7 billion deal, um, which is approximately 34% um, premium um, for the deal. But unfortunately, that deal fell through quite quickly because last month, um, Yamana um, did indicate that it would be ditching the Goldfield deal um, and would be going to a different agreement with a rival, which had put forward a 4.8 billion cash and stock offer, um, mm. which was put forward by another joint venture um, company. So, which obviously did hurt um, Goldfield quite deeply um, because I know when they made the statement in May to the market, um, there were there were oppositions um, from some Goldfield investors um, indicating that the deal was quite um, excessive in terms of the premium that they wanted to pay um, for this Yamana mine, um, but also in terms of some of the um, investors uh, indicating that it would actually dilute some of its base stakes um, if the deal had to go through. Um, so shares at the time did take a plunge. Um, it was down to 1% in May when the news was announced in May. Um, however, the stock did recover. But today, with the news, and obviously with the news that came out last month, indicating that um, the Canadian miner um, had unfortunately will not be going with gold fields, um, has obviously resulted in the chief executive stepping down. Mm. Now, with that uh, 2% you know, drop in the shares, uh, does that make the market uh, quite worried? about, uh, the, you know, the future and uncertainty maybe on, uh, you know, what will happen with, with Goldfields uh, going forward in, in their strategy? Yeah, so the, with the statement that came out today, um, Goldfields has obviously put in um, interim um, executives at the helm. So it has put forward um, within the African division and um, it will be hiring an executive, um, but obviously in the interim, to obviously replace um, Chris Griffiths. Um, they are putting in a veteran, particularly in the gold sector, Martin Peace, who will be stepping in as interim CEO. Mm. Um, and then also in the South African division, they have highlighted Benford Mukwake, um, who will run Goldfield South Africa um, from the beginning of next month. Was uh, Griffiths' uh, resignation a surprise, though? 
Um, I don't think it was a surprise. I think it was expected. And I think um, with the deal that didn't go through or didn't go in their favor, um, I think it was imminent. Um, however, it is quite fortunate because Griffith had actually been appointed in April of last year. So he actually wasn't even at the helm for too long. Um, so it obviously is quite disappointing. Um, but I think um, the golf fields are putting in the remedial changes just to obviously putting the interim um, executives on onto obviously the platform um, until they finish their executive search um, for a CEO that will take the global gold company going forward. So just lastly on, on, on gold fields, what do they need to do to gain the confidence of the market again going forward? So I think it will be quite important to find that um, CEO next year. Um, yes, the interim um, executives will, ha- will step in in the interim, um, but just finding um, a suitable executive that is known by the market, that has experience, particularly um, in the gold sector, in the gold production sector. Um, so we know gold fields um, is very much, uh, particularly in the gold production, um, is a leader, particularly in this field, having a number of mines um, outside South Africa. Um, unfortunately, this deal, um, which they wanted to obviously enter different regions within the Americas region, um, mm-hmm. fell through. So I think it was just getting an individual that um, is familiar with the market, has experience, that can steer the company, particularly the global company, going forward, not just the South African operations. And 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 maybe just the last last one, but more on a gen, on a general uh, comment. Uh, I, mean, I mean, gold fields. Uh, we are known for supplying gold uh, in this in this country. Has maybe this deal or the you know failure of it has any impact maybe on on the future of uh, you know acquisitions in the future for gold mines. Yes, I think it does obviously put a dent um, to their ambitions of going going into other regions. Um, So if the deal was successful, um, it would have obviously had them entering a different market and being in in Canada, in Canada, uh, apologies, um, and obviously diversifying its revenue outside of other regions where they currently um, have already input themselves. Um, So it will obviously put a short-term dent, uh, but I think in the medium to long term, um, I think they should recover and in finding other deals and other transactions um, that come to them. Mm. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Akona Mlamleli. She's our guest today on the Business Wrap. We'll move on to another story that's also been going on for quite a while. Uh, you know, this is uh, Minister Mandashe and Shell, who have now been allowed to challenge the blocked Wild Coast Seismic Survey at uh, SCA. Now, the High Court uh, granted uh, the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, uh, Minister Gwede Mantashe, and um, uh, Shell, which is the oil and gas uh, company, they've granted them leave to appeal a ruling that blocked the seismic survey of the Wild Coast at the Supreme Court of the Appeal. Now, question is, uh, what does this mean? Going, I mean, because this is it, 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 it just drags this the decisions on this on this uh, even longer. Correct, Notemba. I think it's quite important one, and it has been going on for quite a while. Um, so, Shell and, and the Energy Ministry in South Africa has been given a leave to appeal, particular decision that was made um, earlier in September, which um, the South African Court had indicated or denied um, Shell. Um, to obviously conduct the oceanic seismic survey um, along the country's east coast. East coast. 
So obviously this decision was obviously to grant Shell to explore um, oil and gas opportunities. Um, but in the court, um, that obviously went against Shell and the Energy Department. They actually highlighted that the applicants or the, the individuals um, being Shell and the Energy Department unfortunately did not follow fair procedure. Mm. And some of the decision-making had failed and they had not taken relevant consideration in terms of some of the communities um, that would be affected. Um, so the court um, today indicated that um, the applicants can take the matter um, to the Supreme Court of Appeal, um, so indicating that it has confidence in its ruling um, and that it believes that there's no prospects of a success in the appeal, but obviously did grant them to go forward in terms of this uh, particular appeal um, at the Supreme Court of Appeal in Brooklyn. So it obviously does drag the whole process quite a bit longer, um, and obviously it will hamper particularly some of the shell had obviously a number of investments that she had obviously made particularly for this project, um, so it will put a delay in terms of this um, project. Mm. For, for someone who may not understand, uh, maybe just clear for us, how the the Ministry of uh, Mineral Resources and Energy will side with uh, the gas company, the oil and gas company Shell, on 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 this court matter. Yeah, so um, Shell particularly, maybe just um, take a step back. Mm. Um, so originally, Shell was actually not even part of this um, particular project. Shell in 2020 bought a 50% working interest in the Transcar and Algoa exploration project in 2020. Um, a different organization by the name of Impact Oil and Gas, um, which holds another half of the, the particular project, um, where had the particular and um, had obviously were in control of the, uh, the project, but it was later transferred to Shell. Um, so it seems like the Shell and obviously the projects that were um, indicated were in favor that obviously had pitched to the energy department and the energy department was obviously quite happy with the the outcomes or the assumptions um, in terms of job creation, particularly for the region and in the Eastern Cape. Um, but unfortunately, in terms of the communities, um, it indicated particularly in the and the court ruling in September that a lot of these communities had not been co- properly consulted, mm. and consulted, mm. consulted, and the due process had not been done. And I think it's extremely important because this will, at the end of the day, affect these communities if it does go through. Um, and I think we've had a lot of companies that come into different communities and just not make use or deliver, particularly on the promises that they accept. So I think that the court is and 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 not prudent. And and also not being made accountable for for correct. for 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 not uh, adhering to what they declared they would do. Yeah, correct. So I think the the court is obviously making sure all the necessary T's and C's um, are dotted, and that the community at the end does benefit from this project. Mm. All right. So what what happens now? We wait for the appeal process, and and there's correct. a cr- cross appeal. Yeah. So correct. So the. We don't know the date um, in terms of when the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein will hear this um, particular um, case. Um, we are assuming probably next year. So we'll just have to wait in terms of how the um, Supreme Court of Appeal um, delivers its mandate and obviously delivers in terms of how the project should go forth and, and or just overturning particularly the high court judgment um, that had taken place this year. Okay, thank you so much for that. Well, let's move on to the oranges and lemons and citrus fruits. (laughs) (laughs) 
which most uh, farmers are probably uh, depressed about the state because uh, of a loss uh, of a very t- tough season. The growers are facing uh, a surge, uh, surging input of transport costs and profit uh, margins that are being squeezed. Uh, give us a scenario of what's happening there. Yeah, so the Citrus Growers Association of Southern Africa just provided an update in terms of the agricultural sector, particularly the citrus um, sector, sub-sector, um, indicating that the citrus exports for 2022 unfortunately came in below expectations um, due to a number of factors, domestic and international factors, um, emanating to a tough season, particularly for some farmers. Um, some of the challenges have been the input costs, um, which we're all quite aware of in terms of um, oil prices, transport having surged, which has obviously impacted the farmers in terms of their profit margins. Mm. So in terms of some of the exports that they had done quickly for this year, um, the citrus growers had already shipped 164.8 million cartons particularly to the global markets in this year. Um, however, this was below the um, budgets that they had obviously in- indicated earlier this year, um, indicating that um, this could obviously hamper in terms of some jobs. Um, but also indicating that there were a number of challenges domestically um, outside of the ones that I've already mentioned. Um, in terms of just transporting goods and services, they had challenges in terms of the roads, um, rail, in terms of trans- uh, transit particularly. Load um, and shedding. Yeah, collected the, the electric supply, um, unfortunately, um, did impact them um, quite exponentially. But in terms of the global um, challenges that they experienced, um, earlier, this, in a couple of months ago, um, the European Union obviously put in new um, importing uh, control requirements um, in which did hamper particularly exports that had already been sent um, to Europe, which did impact them obviously from getting to um, the consumer and obviously to the various shops, um, which did put a damper on them. But however, the SA government was able to step in just to assist particularly those um, fruits that were already en route. Um, however, the challenge is still ongoing, particularly pertaining to the export of fruits and citrus, particularly coming to South Africa, um, which they are taking up with the World Trade Organization. In fact, let's just talk about this, uh, you know, uh, requi- these new requirements that the EU introduced. Uh, where now uh, it has something to do with some fly that uh, is in our, you know, citrus fruits, which is it false or is it imaginary? Oh, where, tell us about that. Yeah, so the EU had obviously put in new um, regulations which require mandatory cold treatment, um, particularly of the African oranges entering the region, um, which could obviously put a, a threat to future um, of this particular industry. Um, they also highlighted the risk management systems that are currently in place. Um, which they feel are not sufficient enough currently. So it was just a number of issues that have that they've put forward, which the African companies currently don't meet. Um, however, um, there is currently a dispute that has been lodged with the World Trade um, Organization mm. in a hopes of this will obviously um, open the gates up for, um, particularly in the region, um, but also um, just bring down some of these exorbitant requirements that have been put that have not previously been there. Is is there a sense of some discrimination for uh, citrus uh, exports from the continent 
uh, where you know the EU wants to open uh, markets for for other you know uh, suppliers. Yeah, so I think the EU is trying to maybe protect particularly their producers and farmers um, and allowing them just to get into the way and get into the various regions and sectors. Um, so we know that the South African produce um, exports good quality fruit, particularly to other regions um, in the world. But we also know that this industry is very much pivotal um, to the South African GDP. If you recall mm. the GDP numbers that came out last week, the agricultural sector increased by 19.2%, um, which contributed 50 basis points to the overall GDP number. So the sector is extremely important in terms of the South African landscape mm. and, and the jobs that it obviously creates, um, particularly in seasons when the is a harvest period. Mm. So it's very instrumental, and um, we do hope that the dispute that has been lodged with the World Trade um, Organization is successful and, and does um, work particularly for the um, citrus farmers. Yeah, and uh, South Africa being the world's second largest exporter of uh, fresh uh, citrus Correct. fruit. This is after Spain. So does this mean now, um, lastly, we have to start looking at uh, new markets ourselves now, outside of Europe? Yeah, correct. And I think there's an immense opportunity um, which we can obviously enter, not just the Europe, um, but the uh, America, um, the Asia. So there's an immense amount of opportunities and regions mm. um, in which we can tap into. Um, but I think um, when you have a, already a production that has been set or a relationship that has been set, and there's obviously a hamper particularly to this disruption, um, I think it does disrupt uh, particular sector yeah I'm, t- I'm told we got uh, t- two minutes for the last one i want us to quickly talk talk about the the u.s uh, committing 55 billion rand to africa this is of course ahead of uh, this the u.s africa summit that uh, kicked off today correct so the u.s africa summit um, as you're indicating it will commence in washington today um where the u.s has committed approximately 55 billion dollars to the continent of Africa. Um, so the U.S. obviously wants to commit to further investment within the, um, the continent. Um, throughout the years, unfortunately, the U.S. Um, has lost particular influence um, as rivals such as China have come into the continent um, who have obviously invested immense amounts of capital and become obviously um, bilateral creditor to some countries. Um, so we'll just wait to see in terms of how the summit um, plays out and what comes out for the different continents and the leaders that are attending that summit. Mm. Well, uh, Ayabonga Tawe is out there. We hope uh, to catch to catch him. He's attending, and maybe he can update us of what exactly is going on in those rooms uh, and whether that $55 billion, what does it entail, and are there any conditions, or is America trying to block uh, China and Russia from supporting Africa instead? We'll see. Well, thank you so much. As always, it is a pleasure to have you here on uh, Metro FM Talk. And uh, thank you for all your insights regarding uh, what has been happening in the markets today. Thank you very much, Mr. Chamber. Have a good show. Have an absolutely good evening to Akona Mlamleli, Portfolio Manager at uh, 274 Investment Managers.